Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Chad here with Iraq Veteran 8888. Today, we've got another gun gripe episode for you. All right, this one is probably going to ruffle a couple of feathers, but, you know, we're in a feather-ruffling mood this morning. And today's gun gripe is entitled, Are You Really an AK Guy? <laughs> well, we're going to dive into some interesting conversation, and I think that um, you're going to come away hopefully being quite entertained. Before we get started, I would like to thank our friends at CMMG for supporting our videos. If you're looking for anything in the AR category, they are the king of weird. They got some awesome bufferless systems. Their 22 conversion kits are amazing. Remember, they even make P90 barrels as well. So they got a lot of awesome stuff they're doing. Check them out. Use the code IV8888 to receive yourself a sweet discount if you choose to do business with them. And a big thanks to CMMG for supporting our efforts here on the channel and for supporting the 2A community. So this conversation came up recently between mm -hmm. you and I, Chad, and, and we were talking about, you know, people that are AK fans, you know, and this is a pretty basic century here, you know, nothing crazy. And <laughs> it seems that the people that are into AKs, are they really just coping in some way or what would be a re the reasoning behind why someone would really want to be an AK person over an AR person? What would be the merits and flaws between the two systems? What what brought this up in conversation, like, for us to do a gripe on this? So, uh, recently I had a customer at the shop, and if you guys don't know, we have a, we have a gun shop in Locust Grove and do laser engraving and some other custom work, and we build our own ARs and stuff like that. Ding. Shameless plug. But anyways, uh, I had a customer come in for uh, NFA engraving, and he had, a, you know, just a short barrel rifle AK, right? He needed it engraved. Like, all right, yeah, cool. So we were just chatting, and it was funny because the guy found me on Google. He didn't even know about the association with the channel. He walked in the door, and he was like, oh, oh it's you. I'm like, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> but he had no clues. I didn't know. I didn't know this was you guys. But I was like, cool. I found like, you know, if somebody found me on Google, that's that's a plus, you know. Um, but anyways, we were just chatting and stuff, and uh, he said, yeah, I may have some other guns that I need um, some engraving on once the forms come back. And we were just talking, and uh, he said, you know, I mean, I like these AKs, but, you know, I keep an AR in my truck, more or less. And I said, really? So, like, you like AKs, but, like, your defense rig, like home defense and everything, is an AR. I said, well, why is that? It's like, well, I just kind of like using the AR for defense better. I just, I don't really trust my AK sometimes. I'm like, wow, man. Hmm. I'm like, okay. So sort of the, you know, maybe the attitude that the AK has sort of become deregulated let's just say to more of a historical curiosity or you know something that's just a cool design that people want to have access to and, and look i know i'm going to get these these comments i'm going to go ahead and just clear it up right now i know there's a lot of people that love ak's and look i love ak's too okay i own several ak's in fact i would say i probably own just as many ak's as i do ar's now does that mean that if um, in some situation, if I had to choose one to protect myself with, that I wouldn't grab an AK if it's all I had to use? Of course, I mean, I know how to defend myself with an AK. I mean, AK is a, is a great rifle. Um, but if I had the choice, and let's say I had some time, you know, 48 hours, all right? You got time to prepare. You got two days and you can pick whatever rig you want and get it all set up the way you want. Would I prefer the AR? Oh, oh you bet your... You bet your butt I would. Uh, I would definitely prefer the AR over the AK. And I think that it, it's not even necessarily uh, 
you know, a point of contention related to what the AK is or isn't. But for me, it's really what the AR is. And, and the AR is much more precise, much more accurate, arguably way more reliable, which, you know, I know reliability tends to be one of those things where people think AKs, they think super reliable. And don't get me wrong, they are quite reliable, of course. Until Ian got a hold of it and did a mud test on it. Accurate. I mean, yeah. That's true. I mean, thing filled up with gunk and it just stopped, right? But the AR is a closed system, so it doesn't really suffer from those same uh, issues in in, um, in a state where you might have like some dirt and debris or mud on the gun itself. It's it's a tighter tolerance gun. It's you know a closed system, so you don't have all those open ports for things to work its way down on the trigger and fire control group and everything. So that's definitely a huge plus, and maybe why people choose ARs over AKs for that purpose, right? I would say that that's certainly one of the components of the decision. You know, I've noticed um, in some of the helmet cam footage from Ukraine, uh, obviously we can't show you any of this footage, but um, if you follow certain Telegram channels, there's a lot of great, um, you know, video, well, and some not so great video on Telegram related to, you know, the the Russo-Ukrainian war. But in that particular instance, uh, I have seen AKs uh, poop the bed and, and stop working. Right. But I've also seen some footage where, you know, some soldiers are carrying out some pretty heroic feats of soldiering with an AK. So, I mean, is that to say that AK is a bad design? It's not. The AK is, is perfectly fine. I, I will say that when we're talking AKs, I I tend to prefer the, the 545 to the 762 by 39. And again, I know I'm probably going to end up getting a lot of haters that, you know, look, 762 by 39 in a close in type gunfight, you know, whatever, like a few hundred yards. Think Vietnam and the jungle, right? Close in fighting is not very far away. That 762 by 39 hits, hits hard. It hits with some authority. I mean, you do have that 30 cal punch, if you will, which is which is nice, which is something you're certainly not going to have the mass in the projectile on the 545 or on the 556, which of course you can also get AK chambered in 556 as well. Uh, my favorite one being the Polish barrel, which is a sweet rifle. I, I wish I would have bought one of those when they were still affordable, primarily the one with the, the, the really, really nice barrel folding stock mechanism, which I was lucky enough to score one of those. Uh, that came off of a uh, of a barrel rifle, and uh, I put one of those on my Sega, and I love that particular stock. And uh, I do like the five four five because it shoots flat, and it's got a fair amount of energy. And obviously, the seven and six is uh, quite a good bullet uh, design in its own right. So I find myself preferring the five four five to the seven six two by thirty nine. Or arguably even a five five six AK. But of course, if I had to choose a five five six AK. Or an AR, I would certainly choose an AR. Yeah, I mean the to me the other the other thing is like ammunition availability. There's way more out there for five five six, obviously. You know, as far as options are concerned, and uh, like NATO spec ammo. I mean, yeah, you can you can't really get seven and six anymore. So there's not really any like military spec five four five on the market that I'm aware of. I mean, I don't even know if there's really any um, seven sixty by thirty nine except for surplus, like Yugo surplus that sort of thing, you know, out there, but not really a whole lot of new production, like, you know, NATO-esque spec, like military spec ammunition. Um, I think more people are probably set up as far as kit goes for 5.56 ARs, that sort of thing, too. 
I mean, that's definitely a consideration. It's true. And I would say that, you know, yes, you can still get some of the Yugo M67 ball, which, you know, for for a 762 by 39 load is a pretty good load. Um, it's accurate. It's very reliable. It's very consistent. It is mildly corrosive. So obviously you're going to follow good cleaning procedures, um, which is something to consider. There, there are some brass case variants, um, of 762 by 39 ammo still coming out of some corners of the world. Um, I know we still get plenty of the privy partisan, the, the PPU, um, 762 by 39, which is, it's expensive, but it is very high quality ammo. I would say the Yugo M67 still sits towards the top of the list for me for being a, uh, they use a zinc-lined metal tin. Uh, it's like a lead-lined zinc tin that they store the ammo in, so it's very good for long-term storage. The primers are sealed really well. And, uh, you know, now one thing I want to talk about, these sealants. Okay? We had a 74 absolutely crap the bed in a meltdown video, and it turns out it was the sealant from the primers and the military-spec ammo that began to melt from all the heat and cake up the bolt face. We never had that situation present itself in a 5.56 meltdown. Mm. Of course, the gas tube would pop or the barrel would explode, but very rarely have we ever had an issue, even with the uh, Triple G Lithuanian ammo, which has a sealed primer. It's almost like the sealant that they use on the Comblock ammo is a little more goopy and nasty, mm -hmm. uh, whereby what we use is almost more like a, a very thin varnish rather than this sort of waxy, I don't want to say waxy, but this... I don't know. The the sealant they use is considerably thicker. And that's not the first time I've seen a 74 crap the bed because of the primer sealant. There's soldiers in Ukraine complaining right now about the same exact issue we discovered in the meltdown. Well, the episode. lacquered cases, too. So they lacquer the steel cases to keep them from corroding, right? But that lacquer breaks down at a certain temperature, and it basically just turns to glue. And if you let it around sit in the chamber too long, you're going to rip the rim off the case. But... um question for you i don't i don't remember but import law and all there's no like penetrator 762 by 39s anything like that coming in these days right like like the equivalent of like a 762 by 39 in an m855 kind of spec well there's a lot of the older norinko uh chinese ammo oh now, yeah, now that's we, right. we did get a lot of the armor piercing 762 by 39 well I say, armor but it's piercing. all surplus, though. It's all yeah. surplus. Yeah, there, there's no modern equivalent that I know of that can be just purchased off the shelf. Yeah. Pretty much all the ammo you're going to get in the 762 by 39 is going to be a ball round. Sometimes some some of the the metal jacket stuff has a mild like iron penetrator. Mm -hmm. um, there were some wolf skews that you had to get one specific skew of ammo would 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 attract a magnet. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think they let some of that get through. I don't, and whether or not it was supposed to or whether it was a different spec of core or whatever the case was, was uh, there was some of that that was getting through. And uh, Wolf was bringing in the 154-grain soft point there for a while, and I, that is absolutely my favorite 762 by 39 load. We've killed so many pigs with it. I've shot deer with it. It's fantastic, and it used to be very, very affordable. Um, that has not really come back in anymore. Obviously, with the war going on, we were getting a lot of ammo, both 545, um, 762 by 39, as well as many other Comblock calibers out of the Ukraine, uh, as well as Russia, before all these sanctions started to take effect. Mm -hmm. So is that to say that once the Russo-Ukrainian war comes to a conclusion, that we'll begin to see exports uh, from Russia and Ukraine again with ammo? I think that that is definitely, I think the answer is yes, because... 
capitalism always wins in the end. I mean, believe me, if there's if there's a product there, there's a demand for, you better believe they're going to try to sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, I digress. The point I'm making, though, the AK is not without its teething issues, and it's mainly just supply at this point. If supply was wide open, let's say that ammo was not an issue. You could go into a shop and you could buy a tin of 7 in uh, 6 545 ammunition and your favorite Polish barrel 545 AK or your favorite Vepper, right? You could just go in and buy a Vepper right off the shelf and, and with a folding stock and all the nice goodies on it and buy your tins of ammo. Now, would that, would my conversation might be a little bit different right now? I, th- I think the answer would, would be yes. I mean, a, a nice Vepper uh, with a good thick barrel, folding stock. 545 with your 45 round RPK mags and five, and 545. Now that, that's a, that's a wicked contender. Add yourself an RS regulate mount, put a proper red dot on it. And, and, and boy, you know, that's a fine rifle that I would be more than happy to have. But I just think that most of the conjecture towards the AR and away from the AK in today's world is, is primarily a supply thing. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the AR is America's rifle. Yep. I mean, it just is. And never in the history of this rifle being out there for public consumption has there been so many options and parts and everything you can imagine available <laughs> to either build your own or so many companies out there producing them. <laughs> right? But um, that's a huge reason why I chose to build ARs is because, I mean, they are America's rifle, Right. But I couldn't see myself using an AK for home defense because I'm just always been an AR guy. I literally have like two AKs, you yeah. know, and that that five four five SBR that Mad Customs did for me off that original Dude, Sega. That gun is so awesome. That so it's like a one hundred five, especially when the original gun was like three hundred barking yep. dollars. Yep. So that's like a one hundred five now, um, and then. The other one's just like a, an older DDI 762. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a basic blacked out AK. And literally the only thing I've used it for are suppressor testing reviews. Sure. And that sort of thing. Um, I just don't really shoot them that much. I've just never really been too much of an a- AK guy. I feel so. like AK and AR people are just so inherently different in yeah. terms of the way they treat guns, in terms of the way that they view firearms and and i'm not saying that that diversity is something that we should we should have an issue with i think it's cool i mean like there's a lot of people i follow on twitter that are die hard ak aficionados like they share nothing but memes uh, about ak's and and look that's cool you know um and the same thing could be said about the ar so i'll i'll venture down a slightly different rabbit hole so to talk about the you know innovation that has come in the ar realm okay you look at something like again um cmmg makes their mk47 now this is our uh mark 47 machine gun also known as the mutant we don't call it the mutant anymore but um when this first came out it was called the mutant but you can see it's an ar uh base with a uh takes ak magazines and shoots 762 by 39 so now you have this sort of marriage of two different ideas the marriage of a magazine that goes into AK, right? The caliber that an AK shoots, but in an AR platform. But not just any AR platform. This is a beefed-up AR platform that's sort of a marriage of the AR-10 and the AR-15 and the AK. So it's actually a marriage of three different platforms because it uses a special beefed-up bolt mechanism that can really handle the uh, the extra uh, oomph, you know, that the 762 by 39 does uh, in part on an AR system. So on a lot of conversion bolts... 
when you see the cuts that are ha- that have to be made or, or the the webbing or the the thickness of the bolt face that that dimensionally has to be what it has to be to work in a small action AR platform it does leave a little bit to be desired and i have seen some failures over you know course of a lot of use right so CMMG they were like hey we're going to build this beefier AR that can really handle and eat up the 762 by 39 like it's just begging for more. And uh, it does that with quite boring regularity. So there are options out there for people who, you know, maybe you just love 762 by 39. It is a great cartridge. Um, there's a map, uh, I believe. I don't know if it's an interactive map, but I did see a map one time that listed um, calibers by state. <laughs> In terms of what was the most popular in each state. And what's so fascinating is that when you look in the Southeast, you look down in Georgia and Florida and Alabama, you know, down in the Southeast, think about it. We don't have very long shots in our neck of the woods, right? Like if we're in the woods, we're not going to be shooting very far. So you'll notice a tendency for a lot of people in the Southeast to prefer 762 by 39, even if it's an AR configuration over the 556 because the shots are so much shorter. And remember, in our brush gun testing video, the 30 cal always did better than the 5.56 in brush because you have a heavier bullet that's moving slower. And when it comes in contact with, let's just say, an errant branch or you know a bit of foliage or something like that, it's going to have a tendency to want to push on through a lot more than that 5.56, which when it hits a, a barrier, even the slightest little twig can cause it to really veer off track a good bit. So it's interesting to see that like, okay, you get out in the Midwest, you know, those folks out there love their 6.5 Creedmoors and their 308s because they have such longer distances to shoot. So the cartridge that you choose for your gun is going to really be dependent on the situations that you're going to be dealing with in your given area. So it's just fascinating that 762 by 39 is popular in the Southeast for that reason. Hey, bro, stop and power, man. Stop and power. <laughs> no wimpy 556 five, here. Yeah. Give me that 762. I mean, look, mass is what mass mm-hmm. is. And, you know, I, I would argue that in some cases, yes, it is good to have a heavier pill moving slower than it is to have a little pill moving faster, but it all depends on what you're trying to accomplish. And if you're trying to shoot through armor, then obviously um, a small pill moving extremely fast, especially a, a pill of the proper construction, is going to help you get through uh, some of those barriers and, and defeat certain types of armor and everything like that. But if you're not concerned about penetrating armor, and let's just say the... Uh, whatever you're shooting, the, the intended target is is unarmored or something like that. Well, then, yeah, 7.62 by 39 at 50 yards mm-hmm. out of a 16-inch barrel. Uh, oh, oh, you better you better believe uh, that's that's going to be pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and again, the same argument could be made for the M1 carbine. All right, we look at a 110-grain bullet, which is about double the nominal weight of your 55-grain 5.56 pill. So you've got... Yes, it's moving slower, but it also weighs double the amount. So in a room-to-room fight, okay, you mathematicians out there, all right, if we're in a room-to-room fight and I've got a guy next to me, we're, we're going in, and I've got my old trusty M1 carbine because that's all I've got, and he's got his 5.56 five, Mark 18, or let's just say something like what you're running here, Chad. Mm-hmm. Who outguns who? In a room-to-room fight, who is outgunned? All right, you ready? 
The answer is you are equally gunned, right? A 110-grain M1 carbine in a room-to-room fight is going to give you pretty similar terminal effect to that 11-inch 5.56 with a 55-grain bullet. Now, again, obviously speed kills. The 5.56, if with the right bullet, if someone's wearing armor, well... Again, math is a thing. <laughs> math and physics and everything. But else. the M1 carbine has proven itself in that in that role. Close in work, you know. It never really was a good tool for long range gunfighting. It was more of a in between no. rifle and handgun, like kind of you know intermediate distance. Well, you know what they always said: like you could wear a couple of thick wool coats, and M1 carbine projectile would bounce off of you like three hundred yards, right? Well, I mean, five, five, six, I think is going to go through that, but you know, yeah. I know that's an old myth, but it uh, is an old myth. And to compare the two tools in, in, in all of their roles. Now to put this to bed, mm-hmm. if we're comparing the AK to the AR and heck, we can even group the M1 carbine in here. Why not go ahead and add the M1 you carbine. always have to add, very add the M1 carbine in there if Dude, you want, right? It kills me. Whatever you want, add those in there. When you look at whether it's a fight at 300 yards or 30 yards, which tool is going to perform the best at all of those distances and do it the most consistently, accurately, and with the potential to pierce the widest variety of different body armor that's available? And that answer is most certainly an AR with a good 5.56 load, an M855A1 out of a 14-inch barrel, 14.5-inch barrel. But, 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 Eric, my AK shoots 5.56 and takes PMAGs. Fine. Fine. Again, fine. fine. If, but, if if you've got a 16-inch uh, AK that shoots 5.56 five, and you run M855A1 in it and, and it's accurate enough for you and you've got whatever optics mount on it you want and it's it's reliable and you like it, then you're good. You're good. To each their own. To each their own. And, you know, one, one person always comes to mind when we talk about AKs is uh, Rob uh, you know, over at the AK Operators Union. Now, mm-hmm. he Rob's- would probably <laughs> – he would probably be like, "Oh, you're wrong, Eric. No, no, no." Like he's a di- a diehard AK guy, and this guy, you know, he'll take various AKs and perform some pretty amazing feats of accuracy and do some real, really good shooting with it. Hey, guys, so, we're back. We shot five thousand rounds through this AK, and it it broke. Let me show you. Okay, I mean, come on. But the truth <laughs> is, is that any tool is only as good as the person operating that tool. So. The people that do take AK seriously and treat them like a serious rifle. Hey, we're going to put a proper forend on this thing. We're going to mm-hmm. put a good scope mount on it. We're going to put proper stocks and furniture and, you know, whatever. We're, we're going to go through and just really get this thing to its maximum potential. And we're going to just treat it like any, hey, we're going to feed it Lapua ammo. Yes, Lapua makes 762 by 39 ammo. It's expensive, but boy, does it shoot. We did some testing with uh, one of the CZ, uh, this is a CZ 527, um, the 762 by 39 that has the set trigger. Have you ever seen those little rifles? They got a little 16 inch barrel, nice short little rig, but we were doing some ammo testing at one point and that Lapua just shot the living daylights out. So AKs can be accurate with the right food, but arguably the same could be said for any rifle. Right? If I took a, a fancy AR, I took an Argos AR, mm-hmm. and I put steel case, bottom of the barrel, cheap steel case ammo mm-hmm. through it. Is it going to shoot as good as if I gave it some 69 grain federal match ammo? No. Right. So a tool is only as good as the food you give it, mm-hmm. and a tool is only as good as what the operator is capable of ringing out of it. So You know what I will say? 
I think I've become more like an AK guy over the years in my cleaning regimen. Oh. Ah, yeah, because that's the old joke, right? It's like, ah, oh, it's AK. You don't have to clean. Just shoot, okay? If something breaks, fix it. Don't clean. No. Yeah. I mean, if they get if they get seized up, you know, if you let a gas system rust up on this thing, all you have to do is just take it like this on the table and just kind of mm. give it a little wrap and break it loose. Or you can do like they do overseas and just kind of like kickstarting a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. You can just give that charging handle a nice swift kick. Now, you see these uh, vents up here? Right for the gas to vent out, you just squirt you some WD forty in there before you do that, and hey, it it won't be seized up forever. It'll it'll come unseized. Eric, so you don't really have to clean them. You just we don't have any yeah. WD forty. All we have is urine. Oh, that'll work too. Yeah, I mean, water, water is nature's solvent. It is. You, I mean, there, there's been situations where people will tie their bootlaces together in knots and just mm-hmm. motor oil and bootlaces mm-hmm. have kept. These things running. Yep. Boot. Yeah. Tie a knot in the boot lace and it's a uh, pull through, right? Yep. Easy. I mean, it is what it is. But mm-hmm. again, though, I guess like the question that we posed in this particular video is like, are you really an AK guy? You know, I'm going to leave that open ended. And, and the argument is always made. Oh, AK versus AR. And, and I didn't really want to step into those waters. I guess we kind of inadvertently did because it's impossible not to do because there's just two of the most commonly compared rifles, and it's just so strange. It's almost like you're not only comparing the rifle, you're comparing the mentality of the person that uses those types of rifles. You're comparing the history of how those rifles are used in conflict. You're comparing capitalism to communism. Like You're literally comparing political ideologies that find themselves culminating into a small arm design. And I think that that is why it's such a sensitive and, and hotly debated topic amongst the gun community. I think so, too. Yeah. But I think for the foreseeable future, I will be a diehard AR guy. I I'm have not, to say. I'm not one of those closet AR guys or closet AK guys. Right. You know what I mean? I, I like AKs because they're cool. Yeah. You know, because I love guns. But but, but if, if I had to choose... Uh, a gun to defend myself with, I think I'd still prefer the AR. I've never, I, I want, I'll take the gun that capitalism built yeah. any day. Now, I've never seen you put an AK in your truck to go on the road with. No. So, And I'm not, not saying they're not good. And but. Oh, oh, Well, there's the video. We could have just said that yeah. in the beginning. <laughs> not kept y'all here for like you know 30 minutes. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's gun gripe. We have many more on the way. Tons of videos. We are staying super busy, especially Chad. He's got so much going on between Argos and four crazy kids and <laughs> wow. <laughs> Get me out of here right now. But we always got a lot going on, and I really appreciate y'all tuning in, watching today's video. Many more on the way. We'll see you soon. See you guys. Thank <laughs> you.